0: Welcome to the Rising Lioness Podcast on All About Animals Radio a place dedicated to animals and all those who act to protect and advocate for them. Hi, I'm Erica Salvamini, and I'll be your host for the next 40 minutes. I'm thrilled and honored to be here representing All About Animals Radio using my voice for the animals. Thank you for joining us for what intends to be an enlightening, thought-provoking, and soul-inspiring series where we discuss topics aimed at understanding the importance of the relationship between empathy, animal rights, and our peaceful coexistence with the animal kingdom. This is also a clarion call. Our mission to enlighten and enlist those interested in becoming global animal advocates, while also bringing awareness to animal suffering and the mass species extinction issue happening around the globe today. We do this for the sole purpose of creating a gentler, more loving and peaceful world for us all to share. And now, on to the show. Hi, welcome back. This is the Rising Lioness with the uh, the author of The Weight of Empathy, Lucas Spiegel. Hi, welcome, Lucas. Thank you for being here again with us. This is part two of this uh, podcast discussion to talk about your book today. And I really thank you, you here and uh, staying on a little bit longer just to talk about. Um, this extremely important topic i feel um empathy and how it relates to our relationship with animals and our coexistence and we were actually where we had left off on the last episode we were talking about the japanese plant-based food oh, philosophy um it's a dokuzen which says that you know a- animals have a spirit, and, and what I would, you know, kind of say is, you know, the same thing as energy, which we all have energy. We're all energy, and so as a energy practitioner myself, I can relate to this on a very deep level because, you know, it's kind of like if an animal, if we're eating animals, and the animals that we're eating have been tortured and their flesh is basically laden with suffering, then we are then ingesting whatever it is that we're consuming. Um, So that commingles with our own energy, which would then account for a lot of pain and suffering. So something, you know, that has to go somewhere, right? So we have to either you know, work that out on some, in some way, some level, or it's just going to stay within us within our, and then as you know, an energy practitioner, we, you know, we talk about energy and how that affects all of our, all of us, you know, every part of us, our physical, our emotional, our mental and our energetic being. And so a lot of our own physical ailments Um, stem from energetic blockages and things like that's not to say that eating animals that have suffered is the only thing that's wrong with our world and it's the only thing that is but it is i i think it it can stand to reason that it it could be a game changer for sure if we were to all go to a plant-based diet and start removing some of that suffering so you know, go to a plant-based diet. So we're not ingesting that pain and that suffering anymore. And then we can also then begin to become lighter beings. And like you even were telling the story in the first episode that we were on together about your mom and how she started to have, you know, more clarity after going a certain period of time of not eating animals when she decided to Mm -hmm. I can relate completely. That same thing happened to me. And I mean, I was, I've always been an animal advocate and animal activist. I never really ate animals much. Um, I was always pretty much vegetarian, but it wasn't like I thought about it. Like most people, you just, it was like, that's what I gravitated to. And I didn't really like the way eating animal meat made me feel. So I didn't eat it a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, once in a while, Oh, it was there. or You went out and, you know, having Buffalo wings with your friends or whatever, but Um, until eventually about five years ago, I completely said, you know, like, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't, I can't bring myself to eat animals anymore. Just, it's, it just is not, it doesn't feel right. And so, um, after I stopped eating animals, I kind of had the same sort of realization, like a, a whole new world opened up for me in terms of what I, wanted to do and how I felt passionate about needing to make changes for the animal world. And so mm. here I am, and now i'm I'm hosting on this on this show to mm. to help um, make a difference in some way, just as I guess, you know, you are with what you're doing and what so many other wonderful people are doing in this world to make a difference. Um, because in, in the end, it isn't just about the animals and saving the animals. It's about saving ourselves, saving our souls, saving the the soul of humanity. I think you know people can say, well, that's you know sounds like a whole lot of hooey. You know, save the animals and you save the world. But it's also about looking at um, becoming more empathetic and being kind to one another and making a better world for us all to live in. Um, that's and that's ultimately where i take this when we go to you know when you mm-hmm. started reading that your chapter on Itadakizen and and um why eating a, a plant-based diet is so important there's you know there's so many so many reasons and you can take that all the way down to the end of that um that story and see you know what it means for us as humanity
1: yeah i don't think that uh you know as you said it's not a um sort of magic bullet um you know we stop eating meat and suddenly there's world peace and all our problems are solved um there's a lot more going on in the world than just what we consume um but i think it's hard hard to argue with the the claim that what we eat does affect us in a a pretty meaningful way um some people eat you know talk about uh, veganism as this big sacrifice of of um almost like this uh religious sort of renouncing of earthly desires <laughs> almost to right. that extent um and you know i am a huge um connoisseur of food and different cuisines and love to cook and bake and I eat my more than my fair share of junk food and uh you know indulge in in really good food. Um and so that part is certainly, you know, maybe it not to downplay any challenges that people face in in transitioning their, their diets. Um, but it's I certainly don't feel like I am depriving myself of anything in terms of what I eat and really quite to the contrary. I just, I feel just gratitude every time I eat that I can sit down with a plate of food that is going to nourish me and bring me pleasure and joy and that I, live in a world and in a time and in a place in society where i don't have to harm animals to do that um because that's not you know that's not possible for everyone in in the modern world and that's certainly not possible for everyone you know throughout history that they uh had that opportunity so to be able to to feed myself uh, with just plant foods is just, I mean, I, I can't really imagine at this point if I had to, um, you know, whatever stranded on a desert Island and had to, you know, kill an animal to, to survive or whatever the hypothetical is like, I, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine that. And I'm just so grateful that, that I can thrive on a plant-based diet and that it's, literally the opposite of uh you know a sacrifice or compromise it's it's the ability to live in alignment with my values
0: that's beautiful that's perfectly put yeah and like you said and and do no harm and eat some really good food people are missing out because there is a lot of really good (laughs) food Um, yeah
1: i mean I, i don't want also to downplay the uh the importance of like nostalgia and uh sort of the connection that people have with the foods that they eat you know things that they grew up eating it it brings up a yeah it's a it's comforting it is a connection to one's family and history and community and all of these things Um, at the same time there's a lot of people who talk about veganism as this huge um, limitation who only eat like two things. <laughs> they're like the, yeah. Their diet is extremely limited, even though they they don't uh, rule out any like large categories of food. They they do rule out uh, anything that they're not familiar with or any you know cuisine that comes from a, a different culture or country than their own. Yeah. Um, so there's a huge amount of of food, and uh, yeah, anytime I'm. Traveling, I, I'm just so grateful to find the to the things that are just incredible. Local, you know, street food, just obscure things that are, you know, coincidentally vegan, sort right. of uh, accidentally, accidentally vegan, and, um, and just so in incredible and new happens, new flavors, yeah. new vegetables, and new fruits and new dishes. Um, so yeah, there's a lot out there.
0: There is a lot out there. Um, and you know, to the, you know, so we talk about the comfort and we talk about different comforts um that humans, you know, really gravitate to and um how we, you know, we can go to the grocery store and find our nice um pleasing to the eyes, packaged foods. Um, and then there's, you know, so so to us it's okay because you know we didn't have to kill it and we don't think about that like you said there's cognitive dissonance so but then there's you know other parts of the world which you went to visit like southeast asia and vietnam um and that gets to that was part of the part of your book where i had a really hard time getting through actually and i a lot of it was not just because of what you it, the, your despair, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the despair that you felt watching the despair of these animals and the suffering, and um, you know, you you told this story about how you were kind of you know unknowingly walking through this Vietnamese market, and you know, you're smelling all these good smells, and you know, you're having a nice little stroll, and then it was like boom, all of a sudden you realized what you were in the midst of, and um basically it sounded it was described like a like a living hell for these animals that were in this live animal market. And you know, so they weren't pigs and chickens and they were not your typical farm animals that we see here um, or that we don't see here, that we just know about, like in Charlotte's web. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, they're monkeys and they're cats and they're dogs, and these are animals they're in cages and they're you know, you had to hear their pleas and cries for help. Um, You know, that just, uh, I was at a point where I had to close the book and I had to walk away and I can only imagine what you felt. Um, And actually as an empath, I could actually feel it, which is part of why I had to close the book and and Mm -hmm. walk away for a little while because um, it was really, you know, so you, you wrote about how you kind of hurriedly, went through that market and got yourself back to your room and cooked yourself some rice and vegetables in your steamer. And I quote, uh, you, you wrote, cried into your useless fucking hands. And you talked about how you were wrought with despair with the situation of our world. And that was really, that was something super palpable. And I can only imagine, or I, you know, I, I tried to imagine what what that must have been like um and and you you know you you mentioned the desperation and necessity how how desperation and necessity leads us to desensitization mm-hmm. and which is very much like here um in the US how we desensitize ourselves and um really is there any difference to you know these these you know these people in other parts of the world are are they any different they just don't have the ability to go to grocery stores and it's just not how it's done there you know they do it differently i mean
1: there's it's it's, interesting there i mean certainly there are a lot of people you know in vietnam where i was writing about that and many other places in the world who don't have a lot of options and they you know a lot of the the food choices they make are are their only choices um that's not true for everybody that's not true for you know everyone in vietnam who eats dogs um uh i wrote about that desperation and necessity as uh you know specifically in that context um you know it's really kind of speculation um admittedly but uh you know we did as humans raise and breed dogs to be sort of loyal companions and so um you know at some point of desperation if your your guard dog companion is the only thing that stands between you and starvation starvation then you know that's the choice that people are going to make and um you know from there it's not uh it's not hard for something to just become part of the cuisine and culture and part of what's accepted and you know people you know desensitize themselves sometimes out of necessity uh you know if you're in a situation where you have to do something you don't feel good about or don't feel is ethical or compassionate then it really behooves you to be able to shut off that compassion and you know just view it as natural and normal and necessary so um it's interesting to think about how people in a place like vietnam versus the us for instance are both desensitized to the suffering of animals uh, but the, the context that we're living in is is extremely different. Um, the way we treat animals is is very very similar. Um, the the main difference, at least from my personal experience, is just that everything sort of happens out in the open in uh, Vietnam and and other places that I've been to, where in the U.S. Yeah. you you literally have you know laws being passed to make it a felony to videotape what happens inside a, a a factory farm yeah uh well you know in vietnam a lot of these things you can just be walking down the street and you know glance in through a a, a storefront and and see some of these uh, more gruesome things or it's just happening sort of out in public on the street yeah. so yeah so you know there's this uh you know, famous quote, I don't know if it was Paul McCartney said like, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, everyone would be vegetarian, something to that effect. Right. And after traveling to places, um, where a lot of this, uh, happens out in the open, uh, not everybody is vegetarian. (laughs) Um, it still is very much, um, sort of shaped by religious, um, practices, uh, if you are someone who happens to follow a religion or be from a family that follows a religion that frowns against eating uh, meat, then you might be vegetarian or vegetarian part of the time. And if your religion doesn't have any problem with it, then you probably aren't vegetarian. Um, it has, seems to have very little to do with like how much animal suffering people are exposed to. Um, but I think I don't know, we seem to be desensitized for different reasons in in the U.S. uh, I think we desensitize ourselves because, you know, when we eat meat, we're complicit in this violence. And that's not uh, very, it's hard to sort of be at peace with yourself if you're a compassionate person and are fully sort of consciously aware of that. Um, conflict. Uh, And then in a a place like Vietnam, you're probably going to be desensitized more just because uh, you see it all the time. And just that exposure is desensitizing. Um, So we're desensitized partly because uh, of our own culture and partly because we don't ever see what happens in Factory farms, and even when it is exposed, we can usually turn a blind eye to it. So, um, I think there's lots of reasons that people become desensitized through their their culture and their context, or or they sort of choose to desensitize themselves. Um, as as a uh, you've said, like empathy empathy is a very important part of how humanity gets to a better place where our world is is more compassionate. And obviously I I couldn't agree more. That's why it's <laughs> I wrote a book about empathy. Right. Um but yeah, if we don't uh, you know learn to make these connections with uh the animals that that suffer at our hands, then um, Yeah, their suffering is going to continue for a long time into the future.
0: Yeah, I can't bear that thought. So I hope that, um, I hope things do start to change. I'll just say, um, I know they will. We keep doing things like this and others do the same and we continue to advocate um, and just keep telling others to do the same and eventually um but just I, I can't I can't fathom a world where it continues to get worse so I'm just gonna this is where I I decide to you know lull myself into a false sense of <laughs> yeah I, I <laughs> it mean, has I to get better because it can't I don't
1: think worse. it's inevitable <laughs> I think it's going to take uh, a lot yeah. of work and time and um and pushing through setbacks and all of that yeah, um,
0: Some things But I think it's a really
1: better. remarkable time in the world where our ability to sort of thrive on a plant-based diet, the availability of increasingly delicious and cost-competitive alternatives to animal products, uh, and an increasing concern for the welfare of animals um, is happening all at the same time that animal agriculture is orders of magnitude larger and more cruel than it has ever been in like the history of the planet
0: it's like it's so it's holding on it doesn't want to let go
1: yeah and there's you know all of these economic forces and momentum um that are are keeping it in place but it is increasingly it is getting more and more cruel as we you know learn to genetically engineer animals and you know confine them in ways that are more and more cost effective and alter um, them
0: uh without you know uh, yeah. in the most un unkind of ways and uh and then let's you know not forget about the antibiotics and then the viruses that they start. To yeah. And, so know,
1: all of this, uh, all of this cruelty is expanded, um,
0: just to right unfathomable
1: to it, it? scales uh, over the last, you know, uh, half century or something right. as, as factory farming has really exploded, uh, the level and the scale of the cruelty as well as, uh, just the gross inefficiency of, you know, growing crops to feed to animals in order to eat the animals instead of eating the crops directly. Uh, As you alluded to the, um, the uh, biosecurity liability that animal agriculture is with um, zoonotic diseases and uh, contamination and all of this, like all of these things are accelerating in a horrible direction and at the same time there's is more and more um concern for animals there's more and more empathy for animals more and more understanding of non-human animals as sentient beings who are capable of of suffering and joy yeah and those those two things they can't coexist they can't both keep growing, <laughs> yeah. uh, indefinitely. Um, and so I don't know what it's going to look like and how long it's going to take, but it, I, I agree that there, there's got to be a, a breaking point where, where people say, okay, well clearly we know at this point that, uh, we, everyone can be healthy on a plant-based diet, uh, we know that it's possible we know that it's affordable and you know at some point you have to go out of your way to eat a slaughtered animal and like how that just does not seem like uh that's gonna fly indefinitely. so so i'm I'm, yeah of of two minds i'm hopeful at the same time that uh it's a, a very upsetting um situation to say the least.
0: Yeah. If if you think too much about it, it can certainly ruin your day, that's for sure. Because I have a really hard time navigating this world that we live in. If I even just open emails, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh all the all the animal advocacy messages that come out and the 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 new horrific ways that humanity is finding to um, treat our animal kingdom family. And, uh, because I do consider them part of our family, we share this, this earth with them and we don't really have any right to, um, push them out and treat them the way that we do, just as we don't have any right to do that to other, you know, humans and races and, but yet somehow, you know, there's the best of humanity and then there's the worst of humanity and it's like a, a you know, age-old problem there's a there's always the dark versus the light and there's there's dark mm-hmm. and there's light in all of us but you know what are we going to feed and what are we going to you know what so what's going to win um but I am encouraged because there are more people like us and not to say you know we're better and they're worse. it's just a matter of you know what's going to, serve us all and all of our, our greatest and our highest purpose on this planet in this lifetime. Um and something does have to give and something will absolutely give and something's definitely going to change because this, you know, this is the one and only planet we have to live on, at least at this point in time. And we can't sustain things the way we're going. Um so hopefully we'll just uh keep doing our best and hopefully others will as well and things will start to improve. Um until then, um I'm really glad that you wrote this book. I'm glad that we can have conversations like this because I do think that putting it out there um you know sends messages to other like-minded people who do want to feel good about their choices and and maybe you know for however many people listen to this today or tomorrow or next week or whenever or pass it on to somebody else who is considering some of this stuff some of these topics possibly going vegan and you know not just because it's the physically healthier way to live but also because it's you know maybe you know spiritually or energetically good for them and uh and it's just it's a lot to think about and it's a you know people are evolving at a rapid Rate nowadays more than ever before. It's somewhat of a of a quickening, I think, that's that's happening, and it and it does need to happen. So, it's all good, um, in that regard. Um, So, you know, going from what was a a tough and challenging chapter like chapter four, um, we go to chapter five, which was. The balance among the beasts, uh, mm-hmm. renewed hope comes from the the Cambodia Wildlife Sanctuary, which I thought was wonderful. Um, it definitely sounded like and and looked like, based on the pictures, a wonderful place to kind of regroup and recuperate for you, uh, based on some of the despair that you had actually been through. And uh you you probably needed the emotional healing at that sanctuary with those animals. Um and it was a, it was nice. It was as a reader, it was nice to read that as well, and nice to see that.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was exactly what I needed after um, that difficult time in in Vietnam. And um, yeah, to it wasn't the first sanctuary that I had been to on the trip, but uh, it really, I think, sort of.
0: Was placed. Kickstarted
1: well. this uh, this desire for me to to visit and volunteer at more and more sanctuaries through the the second half of my trip, uh, and had just a really incredible experience not only with the the monkeys and moon bears and elephants and and dogs and all the other animals at those sanctuaries, uh, but also with the the folks who who started and and run those sanctuaries. Uh, especially uh this woman named Lek um who started the uh elephant nature park in Thailand and uh is responsible for maybe half a dozen other sanctuaries is just this absolutely remarkable, hardworking just unspeakably like dedicated and compassionate person and it was really inspiring to be able to to meet her and and um Pick her brain a little bit about just how how you how to live in a world that is is sometimes just so cruel and uncaring um, without just falling into despair and hopelessness and uh, you know it's a bit uh, cliche perhaps but um, you know the answer was basically we there's no other option then to keep going and uh that sort of action is you know action is the antidote to despair and yeah. you know these these animals who who are exploited and suffering they they have no real agency or ability to to fight for themselves and so there's really no
0: there's no, no option, sort
1: of right? defensible option aside from um you know advocating for them the only other option is to sort of close off sort of shut down your your sense of empathy and compassion and just become jaded and bitter and sort of disconnected and um that doesn't sound (laughs) that does not as as hard as it is to to face these these cruelties that is is not a very pleasant alternative and it certainly doesn't help help anyone no, So
0: that's not really living is it yeah um, so yeah i agree and that makes me think of um another really beautiful little story that you wrote about where you I mean, it's not really related to the animals, but it's related to just doing something kind. And maybe when you're, you know, taking action, you're not feeling good, but maybe you can help somebody else. And that's certainly going to make you feel good. And you saw a little Japanese girl. She wasn't too little, but she was a a young girl on a on a bullet train and she was crying. You were traveling through northern Japan and. um you had these little cards with you and you, you wrote that the only translatable words you could write were things will get better. I promise with an exclamation point mm-hmm. handed that to her. And I thought that was awesome. Like how many times have any of us felt awful for one reason or another? And, you know, maybe it was just, she had a little fight with her girlfriend, but maybe it was much worse than that. Who knows? And yeah. a moment of kindness can be you know everything in a person's life you don't know we just don't know and it, it could be in their darkest moment that you hand somebody a card like that or just you know pat somebody on the shoulder and just say it's going to be okay um what a truly powerful yeah, that was hit. a really
1: really sweet moment um it's not it's not often that you can or, or that i see some some kind of suffering from uh, you know of humans or, or non-human animals in the world and i'm like oh i know exactly what to do to help <laughs> um but just seeing this uh you know sc- school girl on the train on the way home and you know all all her classmates are laughing and and joking and happy and she's like weeping in the corner and i'm like i know what that was like you know from when when i was a kid and yeah. um know i know how hard that time of life can be and i know that if you can get through it then then uh you know things things get better and easier and you have more uh more agency over your own your own life as you get older and and uh are able to like shape your life and your relationships the way you want hopefully um so yeah being able to just uh just make a a kind gesture um as i wrote just it's a tiny thing but i hope that in the long run it's more memorable that she got this card from a stranger than whatever was upsetting her that day Uh, Um,
0: no doubt that's uh empathy does go a long way doesn't it mm -hmm. well lucas thank you for sharing your stories with me here today and your book with the world. I just think it's amazing and I wanted to say thank you again. It's been my absolute pleasure to speak with you and having you here today with me. Um you know, joining me to discuss your journey, your book and this much needed topic of empathy. It's um I think it's one of if not the most important bedrock foundations that humanity should exist from. And so Um, definitely a much needed, um, thing (laughs) for lack of a better term in our world today. Um, you know, creations like your book and other things like it can touch the lives of so many who, who need empathy's calling, um, today. So to all of our listeners, I wanted to just please remind you, check out the weight of empathy today. It's you can you can purchase it on Amazon. I have no doubt you're going to love it as much as I did. Um it's was uh soul inspiring. The pictures are absolutely national geographic uh worthy. And if you love it as much as I did, which I know you will pass it on. Pass on that love and light. It's the holiday season. It's coming up what a great gift for anyone for your or friends, loved ones, especially if you know they're animal lovers or they're vegans or they want to be or just wherever it makes sense. Um, we're all in need of its beautiful reminders today that uh, empathy is a necessity for us all. And we can't forget that. So thank you, mm. Lucas. Thank
1: you so much uh, for having me. It's, um, you know, I wrote the, the book largely as just a way for me to process all of the experiences that I had over 22 months traveling and, and what it meant for me and for my life going forward. And I also, I just put a lot of uh, time and a lot of my heart into it. And I, you know, I took some 17,000 photos over the course of my trip. So distilling the the best ones out of there and and putting it all together. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm really, really grateful to to have been able to get it out into the world um i hope that uh, others enjoy it as much as you um i will just say that it is on amazon but uh it's preferable to to buy it from weightofempathy.com oh perfect um thank you that way time. uh yeah
0: this jeff bezos right.
1: doesn't get as much of the right. money that way <laughs> <He> doesn't <laughs> but, <eat> that. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah uh, either Wait way I'm, I'm yeah
1: really grateful to to get it out in the world and hope more people enjoy it
0: Absolutely. So thank
1: you for thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much. Great to see you, Lucas. And uh, maybe we'll see you again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. This has been Erica Salvamini on the Rising Lioness podcast on All About Animals Radio. I want to thank All About Animals Radio for giving me and other animal warriors a platform to advocate from. I want to also thank our listeners for supporting all about animals radio and for continuing their good work of advocating for our friends. And a special thanks goes out to Chris Corley for generously lending us his song zero gravity for the rising lioness podcast theme. Please take a moment to write a review for our show as it helps others to find us. Please also support our guests and their work all about animals radio and our social networks. Doing this further supports the animals and their advocates, thereby making you an animal kingdom warrior too. You can find our links on the Rising Lioness podcast page. Until next time, in the words of Sharon Nunez, Animal Equality President, remember, the small actions of one passionate individual can create a butterfly effect leading to a movement that has the power to change the world. Please use your voice today for the animals. Thank you for joining me here today. Namaste.